It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. With me, as always, my man Cody. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Honestly, one of the best nights that I have had for fantasy football in a very long time. Honestly, for probably since before the season even started there's a there's a there's a slog honestly kind of the season of like you're just trying to stay afloat stay above water during the season there's not really a lot of time to sit back do a lot of the deep dive dynasty fantasy analysis that we really love to do and tonight we had that one of the first times that we really had that and that was within the Heisman discord. It started off with me pressuring you to come on during your drive back <laughs> home to talk about a trade that we'll talk about a little bit later in this show, but it turned into a group of like 12 people just for another six hours. Literally. I think I got on at six o'clock. We're still on here tonight at midnight, my time talking dynasty fantasy football right now, as we get into this pod, but the entirety of the time up until then five hours straight of you, me, Scott, Josh Magatee, a bunch of other people in the Heisman Discord being in there and just putting out thoughts and ideas and so much stuff that was just absolutely fantastic. One of the really true days that we've gotten back to one of the original Heisman chat discords and VC of what we really love. And everybody has the availability to be in there. If you're in the Heisman chat discord, if you're in that DTI5 uh, tier with along with the Heisman discord as well, it, it's truthfully one of the best places that you can possibly be. Um, the, tonight was one of the best versions of that that we've had in a really long time. And I do really just want to promote that to the people of being the best place that you can forge all of these friendships, these ideas, these dynasty market trade analysis, everything that encapsulated tonight is exactly why I love fantasy football and why I love this channel, why I love destination debbie why i love being on the overreaction podcast everything about tonight was exactly why i love fantasy football and so i just want to give that to the people if you want to be a part of that definitely sign up on the patreon and get into that heisman tier access it is the best place for your money um cannot say enough good things about it so definitely if you're in there jump into the vcs it is like i said the absolute best place that you can possibly spend your time i think in the dynasty fantasy football space yeah, I mean, patreon.com forward slash all gas uh, Heisman or the destination five tier uh, make that work for you. Yeah, and it's true. Like Ray and Scott are in there all, you know, during the daytime, like you're going to catch them during the day, have some good conversations. Uh, same thing at night, like people hop in all day and night. It's 
it is truly the best place in fantasy because you not only get one-on-one opportunities with with some of the best content creators and best dynasty minds fantasy minds uh in the space but it's it's also a good place to just talk out thoughts and theory and talk out trades and just kind of pick people's brains get to know people man like like that's where we met like which people don't really understand like we met we've never met in person we've never met in person but we we've been in in voice chat we've had you know, hours upon hours of dynasty conversation, like back, back when it was like just Brandon and Gabe and me, you Ty would hop in there, Pello and Barry, like, you know, it was, it, it, it's the place where like we, I bonded so many friendships out of. And so not only to get to know these people on a personal level and, and just, you know, their family, their friends, but also got to, to pick their brains on dynasty theory, you know, get, get different perspectives on analytics, get, get new insights on new analytics as, as, you know, things have changed throughout dynasty over the last few years like it it is truly a place where you are going to be two to three steps ahead of the entire dynasty fantasy football community so if you're listening to this um you know it it can't recommend it enough sometimes sometimes you don't even talk about dynasty fantasy football sometimes you talk about what do you shower with do you shower with a washcloth (laughs) or a bar of soap uh do you use salted or unsalted butter do you use like leavened bread or non-rising bread like you can hear my my hector stories about my oh hector stories uh baby formula stories whenever we were in the shortage (laughs) of the covid years i mean just so much that you get to actually interact with person to person seriously to everybody out there if you can if you can make it happen it is the best place to talk about dynasty fantasy football form relationships with people that will last for the rest of your life just like you and me like you said like it's crazy that we have never honestly like i'm looking at you right now as we're recording this and it's crazy (laughs) that i've honestly never even met you in person like it's truthfully an incredible place to actually forge relationships and then just truthfully at the end of the day, if you really do want to be there for Dynasty Fantasy Football, it's the best place that almost 24-7 you can continuously improve your game. Um, and so just want to give that shout out as it was really, really cool night that we just spent out there for like the past five hours. And then we're going right into recording a pod. Had to give that plug, had to give that promo uh, to all of you out there. So hopefully you all can join us in there from time to time. Yeah, so uh, and, and some of that conversation that, that was had in there are going to kind of carry over into into our pod tonight. Uh, we are going to get into a little bit of, you know, we've been kind of talk, talking about coaches over the last few weeks, and now we're still getting things finalized as far as offensive coordinators. Last head coaching spots are getting filled. Um, so we do want to wrap up that because these the landscape of the NFL is changing, and so we want to kind of hone in on some of these coordinator changes, what potential impact that may have. Uh, but we also want to get into some trade talk. You mentioned, uh, you know, a, a trade that we we chatted about in the voice chat. Uh, wanted to look at that, maybe some values and things like that. Just kind of some overall, you know, fantasy conversation on that. So let's just dive into the coaches here and and really just hammer through some of these because some of them retread. Some of them don't really matter or have that big of an impact at this point in time. But let's start with probably the biggest one where people panicked on was Greg Roman going to the L.A. Chargers to be the offensive coordinator for Justin Herbert. So uh, I I did some, you know, just immediate digging. I mean, you don't even have to dig. You can just think about Greg Roman and his his <laughs> years with, with the Ravens, San Francisco, and Buffalo. And, like, he was bottom five in pass attempts every single year except for one year. 
and bottom five and like passing production every year. Very good running offenses. Very, you know, offenses as a, as a whole were, were pretty decent. But fantasy wise, how has this changed things for you? Are you worried about Justin Herbert? What are you investing in right now for, for the Chargers? I think the general consensus is that this is going to be a bad thing for Justin Herbert. Um, I, I think that that's going to be the general consensus, but I don't think that it's much of a drawback from where he currently was. Like this is a guy who's throwing the ball 650 times plus a year. And he's been operating on the fringes of zero consistency through the execution game of just like actually being efficient. What I think that this hire for Jim Harbaugh and then Greg Roman does allow is one potentially an increase in the running game for Justin Herbert. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is we haven't really seen that outside of his rookie year, him really use his legs. Like I think he could be used. So I think that that's one upside that could balance out a little bit of the passing reduction. And then just an overall efficiency, as long as they don't go out and just cut both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and um, running back Austin Eckler as well. So as long as they don't like if they don't get rid of all three of those things at the same exact time and then they're just sitting here relying on a rookie of either like Malik Neighbors or Brock Bowers that we see mocked there all the time, along with Quentin Johnston, like Josh Palmer uh, and then Trey McKitty or Donald Parham as their like offense. I think there's still a lot of upside in this offense if they do plan to keep some of these older guys around. Now, if they cut all of them then I am scared because I don't think they have the offensive firepower to really operate efficiently efficiently within this offense. But if they keep around either Keenan, Keenan Allen or they keep running Austin Eckler, I think that this offense is still very much viable to compete at least at the middling row of all the offenses in the NFL. And I don't really have a problem with Justin Herbert at that point. So I think he's still probably I think he's been a little bit overdrafted still, but I think he still slots in pretty easily right behind like the Anthony Richardson's of the world. And he's probably right there around like the, t- the quarterback nine quarterback 10 in dynasty. Yeah. I, I mean, I get the panic. I get why people are concerned. I don't think that he's going to like, they're not going to use him like Lamar or anything like that. Like it's, that's just not his style. I mean, when you look at what uh, Herbert has been able to do, he averages around like 50 to 55 rush attempts. He's right around 250 to 300 yards almost every single year. And, and I, I know that he, he's not a zero with his legs, but he's also not someone that I'm like, Oh yeah, this guy could be a 600 yard rusher and, you know, be a force on the ground. I, I do think John or John. Uh, yeah. John Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, geez, Louise, the freaking Harbaugh's. I was looking at Jay Harbaugh. I get him mixed up every single time too, man. Don't worry about oh it. Just was... Jay, Jay Harbaugh is yeah. what I call him. Yeah, so uh, there's a Jay Harbaugh at Michigan who is actually potentially going to be moving to the NFL ranks too. So, uh, yes, John Har, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, a quarterback himself has worked with the likes of, you know, Andrew Luck in the past. And so I do think that there's going to be a different type of Greg Roman offense. Uh, at least that is my optimistic outlook on this. I, I do think worst case scenario is kind of what you're saying. Di- Dynasty QB nine or 10. Um, but I could see him easily solidifying himself if he can be efficient enough in that, in an offense with some weapons, uh, but I, there is a lot of revamping that needs to be done. I, I need to see something on that offense. Like, there's got to be a whole new running back room. There's got to be something to to help him out. Uh, we need a healthy Mike Williams or or some new 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 blood in there. So uh, I am curious what they actually do as far as skill positions and and really revamping this offense as a whole. 
Interesting little nugget before we get off of the Chargers and before we move off of this. Where do you think he's moved to in KCC rankings? Because I don't think you've looked at these in the past 24 hours or so. Where do you think that Justin Herbert has moved to? Which way do you think that he has moved in the past 24, 48 hours since this hiring was made known? I mean, I, I have a feeling that in general he's moved up with the with the Harbaugh hiring, but I don't know how much people really look in depth at OC changes in the dynasty world. I mean, like what I think we are people probably think we're overanalyzing things right now, but I, I don't feel we are. But I have a feeling he went up because of Harbaugh. He moved up above Joe Burrow to the quarterback five. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that is not at all our our like little social circle of the dynasty fantasy football world. Like we're talking about him as like quarterback 13, quarterback 14 off the board because of this hire. And everybody else just moved him up three spots all the way to quarterback five. Yeah. I haven't heard that sentiment anywhere else, but it's just interesting to see KTC has actually moved this guy up. Yeah, there, there's definitely, like I mentioned, I think there's got to be a lot of off-season, you know, free agency type of moves, uh, draft moves made to truly revamp this offense and and see I mean, the, that the roster's of what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's roster's it's awful, and it's like seventy million over the cap. Like it is, it is going to be gutted. I and think that they have to fully go into a rebuild. But yeah, unfortunately, QJ pieces they keep on the offense. Yeah, QJ hasn't panned out yet, and then you have two expensive other wide receivers on there. But yeah, that's enough uh, Chargers talk for the day. Just something to kind of note with Greg Roman. Uh, we'll kind of get a better picture of really what this offense looks like as we kind of adjust. But let's go into, uh, I, I just don't care about this one. Like, I don't think it's a bad hire, um, but I just think there's, again, you're talking about a place that needs a lot of fixing, the Patriots. Uh, they did get uh, Van Pelt from the Browns. And so that's going to be their new offensive coordinator, which I I like him. I like what he's done, but I just don't care right now. I just don't. At least it's not a defensive coordinator is basically <laughs> what like my bar is, unfortunately, for the Patriots right now. Um, so it's not that. And I actually do really think that Van Pils has actually done a very good job with the circumstances that he had to deal with. Obviously, he wasn't the offense, true offensive coordinator in the Brown system. That's Kevin Stefanski always. But, I mean, you you dealt with having four or five different quarterbacks during the last year. I don't personally think that he should have been let go from the Browns organization. And they're going to cite it as saying we haven't seen the production of uh, Deshaun Watson over the first two years that we had him. Well, he was injured the first two years. Like He's only played, I think, like under 10 games in his first two years. That's not the fault of the offensive coordinator, but I do understand getting a little bit of new blood here uh, for them. And so Van Pelt going to the New England Patriots system, he's going to be paired with probably rookie quarterback, and he's going to be asked to develop that rookie quarterback with very few weapons around him as it currently exists. So I think it's middle of the row, but at least it's something that's been a little bit more stable than what we've currently seen or seen in the past couple of years from the New England Patriots system. So I think this is a plus hire, but I don't think it's anything special to really talk about, like you said. Yeah, agreed. Um, So I'm going to get into the big news or big-ish news. Uh, Probably the hottest name out there for for the head coaching world has stayed home, and that is going to be Ben Johnson. He did decide to stick with Detroit, apparently there's some ticked off people in Washington and maybe even in the NFL ranks uh, about how they went about it. 
while I think the Washington brass was on their way to visit him, they decided to send them send the those individuals a text and say that yeah we're we're just gonna stay at stay at home here while they're like mid flight to Detroit. But here nor there, Ben Johnson staying home um, as someone who really likes what the lions have done over the past few years. I'm very excited for 2024 for the Detroit lions. So uh, I think good for them, but uh, very, I, I kind of think it's risky, but a very risky move for him career wise, but very exciting for, for what could be in Detroit. So in my opinion, watch for Ben Johnson to become the next Eric B enemy, because this has happened two years in a row now there's been reports from both sides kind of of a little bit of a difference of opinion of Ben Johnson saying no to the commanders, commanders saying no to Ben Johnson. Honestly, I think it's a little bit in the middle. But yes, like you said, uh, they were on their way to go to Detroit to interview both. At least they weren't only interviewing Ben Johnson, but they were interviewing right. Ben Johnson and um, Aaron the Glenn. defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn there as well. And in the middle of their flight, they literally got a notification across Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Still at this point, feels like we should know that by now. But uh, <laughs> they got they got an, they got the notification that he was no longer accepting positions for the job, and then they got the text following that from Ben Johnson himself saying that I'm withdrawing. Probably not the best way to handle business. And there's been a lot of people who have said Ben Johnson, unless he gets like quote-unquote godfather offer and it's the perfect situation that he's very comfortable he doesn't have a large aspiration to just take any coaching position as a head coach in the nfl like it needs to be absolutely perfect for him to leave what he believes is a very good system and a very good organization right now with dan campbell leading the front in detroit and i fully get that but there is a way to operate business i do think that that'll have a little bit of a stained effect on him but at the end of the day you're an offensive coordinator who is actually succeeding in the NFL and you're probably going to get scooped up. Like we've seen, there's no active NFL offensive coordinator since 2022 that is currently with their with the same team since 2022. Every single offensive coordinator has been rolled over since then. And so Ben Johnson will keep getting calls, but I do think at the end of the day, like this could turn into a very Eric the enemy situation. If they're the reports are true that he just doesn't interview all that. Well, he withdrew his name because he knew he wasn't going to get the jobs. That's been a, that's been a thing that's been floated out there. So good for Detroit though. At the end of the day, they get to keep their very good offensive coordinator in house. I think this is good for all of those prospects in that building and it's good for the Detroit Lions at the end of the day as well. So um, I, I think we can move on from there into one of the other guys that is going to move into either the Washington Commanders that we were just talking about, or do you have one more thing to talk about with Ben Johnson? Yeah, we'll get into Washington here just to talk about the other side of that coin because they did you know finalize hires. But with Ben Johnson, like when you really think about it, because there are other head coaches that didn't get jobs, we'll dive into Vrabel and, and uh, Belichick conversation later. But... Um, you know, next year, when you really look at the potential head coaching job out or jobs out there, like there are some big time jobs with coaches on the hot seat. Like the Saints are, you know, we're going to see them, like Dennis Allen's going to be on the hot seat. Uh, Stefanski potentially, even if, if they can't figure things out in, in Cleveland. McDermott yeah. in Buffalo. We got McCarthy in Dallas. McCarthy in Dallas. Like we have all these potential job openings, the, the Jets and whether, what, however you feel about the Jets, like Salah. Sirianni and Eagles. 
there's a lot of opportunities out there where good teams might be available. Ben Johnson might just be like, you know what? Let me just roll this out for one more year. Let's see if we can win one with Detroit. And then, uh, and then I'll have my pick of the litter. So, or at least they'll have better opportunities than the dumpster fire that is Washington. And so getting into the dumpster fire that is Washington, I mentioned this last time we recorded and I just thought it was going to be a massive L if they didn't, if they got anybody as their head coach other than one Ben Johnson, I still feel that way. I feel like it was Ben Johnson or bust, but Dan Quinn, I guess, is a decent consolation prize, and they are bringing in Cliff Kingsbury as their OC, which does have some other ties here that we can get into. Yeah, so we'll get into the Cliff Kingsbury stuff because that's a very interesting conversation for those who may not know the entire background of how this happened. Obviously, he was supposed to be the Raiders OC, which was basically confirmed like two days ago but is no longer happening so um it's an interesting pairing right it's dan quinn now and it's cliff kingsbury in washington and that's going to raise questions about what does caleb williams do because obviously cliff kingsbury was with caleb williams in i don't know usc goodness i just completely i I almost said ucla as i was talking about that that is nowhere near the football franchise that is usc so but they have that connection before there so how does that go forward and does washington try to make a push because this hire i don't think that this hire signifies that they're trying to make a push i do think that they're going to be reaching out to the bears and trying to do that but by everything that we've seen coming out i have not seen a single nfl person say anything other than the bears are going to take caleb williams number one i mean i've seen the 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 story is what i'm going to call it because it's just a story at this point there's no truth to it but I've seen out there where like this is the first step of planting the seed, right? Where Caleb has kind of hinted at not wanting to play for for Chicago in the past. At least that was the rumor coming out, like he wasn't going to want to play for Chicago. And then you know he has said he's willing to play for any team. Now you have the number, you know, the number two overall pick, you know, with Cliff Kingsbury. But at the same time, like even if they don't force a trade, even if there's not a situation where they force a trade, which is kind of what the the rumor is, is that Caleb's eventually going to come out and say, I don't want to play for Chicago and kind of force Chicago's hand to make a trade. Honestly, like what, let's say it's Jaden Daniels or Drake may in, in, in Washington. Like, I feel like that's still going to be a very, very, very good opportunity. And cliff Kingsbury is a fun offensive coach. I don't hate it no matter what, but you can we can all hint at Caleb being from Washington as well, you know, being from the area. It makes sense. It's the story, but in the end, yeah. It's always interesting that it's Caleb's team says he doesn't want to. Like it's never Caleb himself actually saying anything. And it's in, it's even more interesting that Caleb apparently doesn't have an agent. And it's Caleb's team saying that, like, what is his team? Like, is it just his family? Like, is 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 his personal <laughs> trainer? I have no idea what Caleb's team, quote unquote, actually even means. I'm honestly kind of starting to get sick of it. It seems like a little bit of a uh, Russell Wilson's team three, his team saying stuff. Um, I think actually Caleb Williams needs to come out and actually say something um, just yeah. for me to not yeah. be personally upset at the situation. but. End of day, I think he's going to be a bear. I think there's honestly more of a chance that Justin Fields is still on the Bears through the 2024 season than the possibility of the Bears trading out of the 101. 
Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I had to think that one through for a second there. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's an interesting one to wrap through your brain a little bit, but I think there's a possibility. I think there's a better possibility that both those quarterbacks yep. are there than Justin They're Fields. Trading out, yeah. the, than them trading out of the number one overall and yeah. Justin Fields being the franchise quarterback, which is for sure absolutely ludicrous in my mind that that yeah. would even happen. I don't I don't want to get into that. We, we've gotten through that one enough. No, I mean, just I'm podcast. tired of. I'm tired of hearing Denver rumors of, of them trading for Justin Fields like or Atlanta that. trading their eight overall for a pick that yeah. was higher than where Justin but, Fields was originally drafted three years later with a fifth year option on the table. Yeah. Like it, absolutely ridiculous at most a second round pick is traded for Justin Fields. But yeah, I mean, in, in the, when you're looking at Washington and, and the situation there, I think Cliff will be fine for any young quarterback uh, that that does go into that situation. There are still pieces there, you know, in, within the offense. Whatever you feel about Jahan Dotson, uh, Terry McLaurin, you know, I think Curtis Samuel is a free agent, but like there, there's there's some th- obviously a lot of work that needs to be done. But there's some things that you know you can be excited about, especially with what we saw BNMU, you know, do with the limited pieces there. So hopefully they can figure something out, make it uh, somewhat formidable in the next couple of years but in the end i don't think this means caleb is going there but it does signify like hey we're gonna have a a quarterback guru so to speak because that's how cliff was viewed and see what he can do with whatever young quarterback they do bring in so i know uh, we're thinking, putting us on the spot a little bit but does yeah. the enemy have any other spots for oc is i'm I just mean, working through this one right now i honestly don't think there's really any openings for him to really take right now yeah, so that's that's actually a very interesting one. Um, I think the only open coordinator position, and and don't quote me on this as I look, but I'm pretty sure it's just Seattle. I think every other OC spot has been finalized, or it has been at least you know rumored that they're going to be hiring. Yeah, gets, gets you into the Raiders, and that was the other yep. the only other one that I think was open. Yeah, so. Literally be enemy from head coaching position to might not even be an offensive coordinator. And that kind of leads into a couple of the other guys later that we're going to talk about with Belichick and Vrabel just being left out because NFL teams want to move a little bit faster, even in the extended area that we are in this year, because they actually extended the head coaching interview process one week out from years past. It's crazy how fast things move in the NFL. Um, real quick, we, it sounds like the enemy's actually still under contract with Washington, so they haven't. He's actually he, not a free agent, tech, technically, no. currently is, but they did just yeah. hire Cliff Kingsbury, that, like, he's yeah. not going to stay on staff, they're going to figure something out there. But yeah, um, you mentioned gets you to the Raiders, let's just touch on that real fast here. It, it sounds like that's being finalized, so he's going to be the offensive coordinator there in uh, in Las Vegas. I, I think it's fine. Like it's just, I, I liked Getsy, but at this point it doesn't change anything. They still absolute have, bleh. Like, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Quarterback still a mystery. Yeah. They have some other pieces. They still need to figure out running back. Like they, they got some stuff to figure out this off season that might paint us a better picture. But right now I'm with you on that. Anything that leads to you thinking that they're going to go the vet NFL route or the trade up for rookie route. I don't see all, all these mocks that have like five quarterbacks in the first round. I just, I can't get there. I think that they'd much rather try to bring in the Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson. I think there's enough guys in the NFL who currently don't have teams that we don't have more than four quarterbacks in the first round. 
yeah, I have a tough time. Like, I feel like the Raiders are going to be in a, in a weird spot. Like, I think O'Connell might actually be <laughs> one chances. of the best options because Denver's not trading him in division. Zero percent chance they send him to 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 Las Vegas and have. Well, you're not trading O'Connell. He's just a backup. I'm saying I'm saying Denver trading Russ to. Oh to, yeah, Denver trading. Well, no, De- Denver's cutting Russ. There's no chance he has. I, 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 I fair. that's I, fair. I, Bet you might be able to get a seventh for it. Like that, that's yeah, a seventh round swap guy because you you've already you've already shown your hand. You benched him for two weeks while you still had playoff aspirations. <laughs> you can't wrong. trade him for anything. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But yeah, that'd be that would be wild. That would be wild. It's, it's straight up cut in my opinion. But yeah, so I mean, I I just don't. I would never put anything past Al Davis. Like you know, just. The, the way that they that family kind of views things, I feel like they want to contend, but they probably need to reset. They probably need to. Yeah, and with a brand new, the issue is, I mean, you have the Max Crosby, you have the uh, Devonte Adams in the building already, and I don't know how willing they are going to be to. After you said like, "Hey, this is our coach. This is our guy. We went five and five. I feel like they're just gonna." kind of be a new age Titans and just kind of middle out unless they, unless they do hit. I mean, maybe, maybe it is like they, they go up and they shoot their shot on a Michael Penix or something in the first or second round. And maybe it works out, but I don't think it's a, whatever the case, I don't think it's Aiden O'Connell. They'll bring something else in and Man. we'll see with Getsy if something else happens, but that's a possibility. It's definitely that's definitely a, it's, a, it's a it's a one of the most wide open positions that I think we'll see across the NFL until we until we know more in the next couple of months. Last couple of coordinators here we'll get into then uh, we have, uh, you know, Clint Kubiak becoming the Saints offensive coordinator uh, down in Nolens. And I, I, I like it. Any, anyone that's tied to the Kubiak family, I'm all for um, it feels like it's a very Saints move, too. So get feed me some some alvin camara i mean they have a, a regardless of what you feel or what people feel about you know kendra and and you know jamal williams being washed in the end they have a, a decent enough running back room that that's kind of what they would love to do um and and i feel like it's just they just need some fresh outlook in that offensive scheme so kind of excited to see how that works out and then also on that same note Derek carr the conversation around him you know people hate him and think he's going to get cut well the saints are going to have to restructure his contract and it's already been said that they're going to restructure his contract where he's basically locked to the saints for the next two years Um, 2024 was already a guarantee but they could potentially get out from under that after the year but again paying a ton of dead money they're just going to spread it out and uh he's going to be the quarterback it sounds like for the next two years yeah, so this is the the issue that you run into whenever you're the Saints and you're continuously kicking the can down the road of Taysom Hill contracts for seventy million dollars or whatever they are. This this is and this is what ends up happening whenever you sign a quarterback who a lot of people don't think is probably worth the contract, and you have another lot of contracts that are kicked down the kicked down the road from past that you're paying probably almost like 40% of your entire roster is not even on the team anymore. Um, And you just keep kicking this can down the road and they're going to do it again with Derek Carr. By all accounts, the only way that they can really get under the cap, unless they cut Cam Jordan, unless they cut Alvin Kamara, unless they cut Michael Thomas, unless they cut literally almost everybody who's a cap casualty on the roster 
the only way that they can actually get back up to 53 is if they restructure Derek Carr's contract. Even if they cut all of those players and then just draft the rookies with all of their picks, they still have to create another like $10 million of cap space because they have to pay their rookie contracts. And so it's going to happen one way or another that they're going to have to restructure a lot of things. And the easiest one, obviously, at the end of the day is going to be Derek Carr because he's, I think, owed like 20, 25 million on this year's uh, cap. And so they can give him the signing bonus of this year, whatever the case is, and then push that money into the future. Give like four years of dead cap, which they'll just keep kicking the can down the road and they'll just probably keep end up middling as an NFL franchise as long as they keep having this organizational structure. Yeah, it sucks it, for the Saints, honestly. Like, I really feel bad for Saints fans. Like, how, how do you ever build a legitimate franchise whenever you do this? And you're $70 million over the cap every year. I don't understand how this happens. I mean, but you can't going to have to Kamara. do with Derek Carr. Uh, you can't cut Kamara. And just like you're saying, but like, honestly, everybody hates Derek Carr right now. And so if you can just buy him for a back end second, which I think is decently plausible in a super flex league. He's going to be a starter for two more years. Now, is he actually worthy of a replacement level quarterback? Probably not, but he's going to be there and he's going to be starting as long as he's healthy. Um, I'd be, I'd be buying some Derek Carr. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not opposed to that. I mean, I'm, I'm all for Derek Carr as a, you know, QB two, QB three on a team, you know, especially looking best ball type of situations. Like, yeah, you're talking about job security and people don't really care about that, but there's still weapons there. There's still pieces in place. And and depending on how they decide to, to execute this offense, like they're in a divi- they're in a winnable division every single year. Like that's just bottom line. So the team can continue to kick the can down the road and still be successful to some extent. Uh health permitting, like they, they need to figure something out at some point to try and get out from all of this dead dead money. But uh yeah, I, I I'm just happy to see some fresh, fresh eyes on that offense. Um, I do think this is Dennis Allen's like again last kind of ditch effort if this doesn't work out this year and you can't you can't beat a you know the panthers and what tampa bay may be with a new head you know new offensive coordinator and, and new scheme there if you can't figure out a way to win that division i mean the falcons are going to be good like you know it's just it's He's just one of those weird. guys that i think is a very good dc but probably isn't suited to be a head coach like he, I, I, that defense has always been good while he's been there. It's never changed that that defense has not been very good. Now I know they do play in one of the worst conferences in football. Like that, Still. that does help it. But that defense has always been very good, and then they've just had this mediocre, pandering offense that just brings them to like a eight, nine, nine, and eight season, and they just keep finishing in this middle and having 70 million over the cap because they keep thinking they can compete and they can compete for the division. But I don't think I've seen a saints team since drew Brees was in the league that I ever thought was going to be an actual super bowl contender. And so they just keep sitting in this middle area that unfortunately we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but like NFL franchises don't actually care about winning super bowls for a lot of the time, for a lot of the people that are in the hierarchy of the organizations. And, and when you really look at like, like you said, that's part of it for sure. Like if they can p- compete for a division title, just make the playoffs. Like that's, that's good enough for some franchises. But like when, you know, when you, when you really get into to some of those thoughts about, you know, coordinators that should have just stayed coordinators, like that, that's, that that's life, right? Like I feel like the NFL is one of those situations. And as you said, we're kind of rolling to that here in a second where 
just because you're good at that job does not mean you're going to be good at a, a leading an entire team. Some people are, are, are incredible leaders of men, incredible locker room guys, and, and that can make them successful because they surround themselves with the right people to to run the offense, to run the defense, to coach the quarterbacks, to coach you know the the the, the linebackers. Like they they know the right people to put in the right positions, and they can delegate well and still do what their role is as a head coach. They can they can do that and be very 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 successful. There's others that like are really really good at their offensive coordinator position, a la Arthur Smith, who is now the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, offensive coordinator and just didn't really succeed all that well as a head coach. And so, you know, he did do great things as an offensive coordinator. So I am kind of curious, I should say great things. He, he was a good offensive coordinator, good enough to get a head coaching job. So now that he's back in that position in Pittsburgh, how does that change your outlook with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense? I, I'm going to go against the grain on this one and say that it's, I think it's a very good hire. Now, does it change my outlook of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense? No, not very much because I think Kenny Pickett is very comparable to Desmond Ritter. I don't think that there's very much difference between those two prospects. Um, if you want to go to uh, Christmas season, Mason Rudolph either. I uh, don't think that's sustainable across the season. You'd probably be better getting Gardner Minshew as your Pro Bowl quarterback. I'm not going to blow this out of proportion for what this means for this offense, but it's an improvement over Matt Canada, right? Yeah. Um, I, I do think that they need to find their long-term replacement at quarterback. And unfortunately, what it sounds like for this offense is they're going to roll back out Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky for another year. Now, if this offense does get in a Kirk Cousins, if they do get in a Russell Wilson, if they do get in anybody who is just serviceable enough to run this offense, I love Arthur Smith in this offense. Because do you like I don't understand this from a Pittsburgh Steelers perspective of being pissed off about this hire. What do you want to do as a Pittsburgh Steelers bold old franchise organization is run the absolute hell out of the ball down people's throats and what does arthur smith do very very well run the damn ball down people's throats now his pers- his personalization issues and everything like that i can fully get behind that did he really use that offense in atlanta to the best of its availabilities no but as an offensive coordinator under mike tomlin i think that he can do that and so, like, why why is this a bad hire? If if the if the only thing that you have is the personal issues that he had while he was in Atlanta, nobody nobody that I have ever seen discredit Arthur Smith has ever had anything to say about his play calling or his play design or anything like that. It's only about how he didn't use the players to their maximum capability. And so, and- if that's the issue, just just use. Mike Tomlin can put the guardrails on him to use the players to the maximum of their availability. And then you're good. Like that's a good offensive coordinator. Like I don't, I, I understand from the outside in of why people don't like this hire, but literally uh, as we're going to talk about a little bit in a little bit, Diana Rossini, whenever she was talking about Arthur Smith, every single team who had an offensive coordinator opening, whenever Arthur Smith was fired, contacted Arthur Smith to do an interview every single team. So the NFL knows something 
that he's actually a good offensive coordinator. The personnel usage might be a little bit off script, might be a little bit different, but if you, if you, I truthfully believe if you get him into a true offensive coordinator role, I think that this is a really, really good hire for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I love the running game aspect. If they can just fix the quarterback position, either through the draft or through free agency, I love everything about this team. The, and I think it's a big difference between the fantasy community that looks at like how, London and Bijan and Pitts were used and the NFL community who sees what kind of offense that they ran and how how successful the team was I mean despite a lot of their glaring holes and issues and things like that is 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 Pickett better than Ritter uh, I guess we'll find out but there's no better way to help a young quarterback than to have a very effective and efficient run game and to have play action pass and I'm not going to sit here and say Kenny Pickett's going to be a world beater I'm not I'm not on that hype train here but um i do think that he can be a serviceable quarterback in the nfl um and the other aspect of this not even you know mitch trubisky and you know you mentioned mason rudolph but there is a free agent who ran this offense very well and that is ryan Tannehill. not saying they're going to bring him in necessarily but you talk about a vet presence that probably is going to be on a cheap contract a very you know one year type of deal prove it type of deal to try and get another starting gig or another backup position that would be it. But again, you're talking about Mason Rudolph. You're talking about Trubisky. Now you're adding Tannehill. Like, yeah, sure. Some of these cuttable and really that's, that that's fine, but don't rule it out. Like at least have him on the roster and very familiar with the scheme could, could easily step in in Pittsburgh day one and, and take snaps. Like there's no doubt about it because he can run that offense. But I do think it's going to be Kenny Pickett's job until it's not. <laughs> I think that's Tann- going to be the the defining factor. Yeah, Tannehill is definitely one of my highest on the backup quarterbacks rosterable list. Um, yeah, I, I plan to put that out at some point of just like the the backup quarterbacks that you should roster list. I do think that that's worthwhile to put out. Um, it's it's not everybody, you know. Like I I don't think anymore that the Mike White, Jacoby Brisket, or maybe even on that list anymore. Um, or at least definitely not at the top of that list, but there are a lot of people and a lot of players that could be on that list, especially as we listen to like the uh, roster construction reviews that Scott has been putting out for lineup leagues where you want to roster probably eight to 10 quarterbacks. I don't know if you want to do it now at this point of the season, just because like if you're, League mates aren't rostering them. They're probably not going to be rostering them throughout the rest of the offseason. And that could be a potential roster spot that you could gain. And then as soon as the season starts, flip them all for actual backup quarterbacks. I think that's probably the way that I'm going to play that a little bit more. But I do think that guys like Ryan Tannehill should be added to. I mean, there, there shouldn't be a waiver acquisition of Ryan Tannehill ever in your leagues right now. Yeah, no, totally agree. And so, again, I'm not I'm not out on any of these players. I'm not like full on buying into anything either. But, um, I, you know, obviously the running game I'm very excited for. I think you're going to see more Najee and Jalen Warren, uh, similar splits, best ball wise, like all for it. Talking about underdog drafts, you're talking about even lineup league. Like I want one of them. I'm happy to take Jalen Warren if he's cheaper. Like I'm down to t- take any one of them. And, and eventually I'm, I'm going to know when to start him. Pickens, I, I think there's been a lot of hype with the Trinity and, and seeing where really where he landed in there. Deontay Johnson's not a washed up wide receiver, despite what people think. So, you know, depending on how this offense is utilized and what they decide to do, 
as a team aspect for the NFL, like I think it's a, a great hire. It's a great fit, great opportunity. Fantasy-wise, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that anyone's DeAndre Hopkins or can go out there and just like be the 1,200-yard guy. So um, obviously, D-Hop wasn't there. But yeah, just kind of thinking about like individual wide receivers that could just right. overcome their situation. I don't think that they're that type of caliber. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to touch on Pittsburgh? You want to kind of get into the back, or I guess the last part of the show here, where we're diving into some trades and some some flexibility conversation. No, I just want to talk about a little bit the Diana Rossini pod that just came out. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do want to I do want to touch on this a little bit because honestly, other than the Heisman chat that we were talking about at the beginning of the day, this was my favorite thing that came out today. Like I, I legit, I've never, I don't think I've ever gone back and listened to a podcast twice. I actually go, I actually went back and listened to this one twice. Actually, no, scratch that. I've listened to a bunch of Destination Debbie ones twice. Either you or me or a bunch of the uh, Rasta Construction yeah. Series or War Tool Series. I've listened to all those twice. But this one is the one outside of DD that I've listened to twice, probably ever. And it was the uh, Diana Rossini and the Robert Mays podcast on The Athletic. And there was so much about the inner workings of the front offices of the NFL teams that came about in this podcast and it was fantastic. Um, it was talking about all of the coaching hires that got that that went on within the past couple of weeks, and all of the nuggets and tidbits that she had learned from the Senior Bowl and everything like that. And truthfully, just one of the overall takeaways is the overall consensus of the NFL is turning into almost kind of how we don't like to play as. Dynasty managers, in terms of just the overreaction podcast, we don't like to take the bet on the unknown. We don't like to take the bet on the rookie that's coming in. We like to take the bet on the proven, the the NFL vet that's done it for six, seven years, the Mike Evans, the Stefan Diggs. We love to take the bet there, and the NFL is going fully against that. They're turning into legitimately what we don't like as Dynasty Fantasy Football co- like football community and they're saying hey we want the guy with no warts we don't want the mike vrabel we don't want the bill belichick we want the mike mcdaniel or the uh the defensive coordinator from the ravens oh, to be yeah mike mcdonald to be our head coach because he doesn't have any warts with him and i just i don't understand this honestly because like i I think that we've seen the success and obviously you can't compare one to one what we're doing here but it's just in my opinion such a a self-preservation mode of i don't want to be the one that brings in bill belichick and then gets fired because he brings in mine he ruined he has to bring in his entire staff and everything there's a lot of nfl teams in my opinion that do not focus on winning and focus on more self-preservation. And I think that that evolves a little bit into the fantasy football market as well of just like noticing these teams like the Titans. I don't think the Titans ever really like they, they have Ron Carthon running their entire team. He's a GM. He doesn't have day-to-day operations for anybody on the team. It can work, I guess, but like I've never seen this system work for an NFL organization where the GM is running everything. 
I, I don't know if it's just me, but like, I don't see how that eventually leads to success on the field. And I'm honestly kind of scared. Like it, it's kind of like the Tepper thing. Like the owner is running everything at that organization. And I don't see how that ever leads to success on the field. So like there, there's some situations where I'm, I'm taking so much more out of just the statistics of the just fantasy football area. And I'm starting to look into more of these organizations and just seeing like, I don't believe in these organizations as a whole. I don't know what you think about it, but I'm starting to just kind of fade teams overall, even though I really do like individual players. There's a lot of other things that do really go on and factor into how these teams fare over the course of a season that go outside of fantasy football, I think. Yeah, it's like if you're looking outside of fantasy, like it definitely makes you think. And you mentioned it earlier with the offensive coordinator shift, where there has been no offensive coordinator sticking with their team for more than two years. It is two and done. And I think it's a, a big shift in the NFL as a whole, as far as like talk about the shiny new thing in dynasty, and that you know it's like oh we got to have the youth, we got to have that young player, we got to have that new up and comer. And right now the NFL is in a phase of like we need offense like offense is is shifting dramatically and so you're seeing certain coaching trees you know uh have a lot more success and you're seeing a lot of the older heads you know no longer having jobs and it's not to say that they won't get jobs again but you know it's it, they are looking for that shiny new thing they're looking for the next you know mcdaniels they're looking for the next um you know shanahan they're looking for the next opportunity for you know maybe bobby slowick is one maybe ben johnson like they're looking for those types of people who come from a certain tree have a certain coaching background that can transform their offense and so yeah th- especially when it comes to the offensive side you have to find them young you know find them young that sounds awful like dating <laughs> uh you, you have to find these coordinators the right words, but you want somebody career. who can revolutionize your culture yeah. right like you, you want a difference of a culture maker and I, I i understand that but who is better at culture and who is better at instilling that than a bill belichick and a mike vrabel like i don't see how that is different the only thing that's different whenever you talk about those guys is they're going to do it from the top down and who is hiring who's hiring from the top down it's the guys who are in the conversation and there is no chance that the guys who are in the conversation about who they're going to hire are going to basically fire themselves because there's no chance that they'll no longer they'll be around to even see the days whenever they hire them self-preservation happens everywhere at every level i'm just saying it's it's not good for the like i think best for the best for the nfl is that mike vrabel and bill belichick are head coaches the nfl I, I agree. And I think, you know, Eric, the enemy should have gotten an opportunity. And I think that you know, like, there's, there's lots of situations that we can say like the, the what ifs, but like in the end, like it's all about self-preservation because it is that highest level. There is such high turnover. Like, I mean, Eberflus, everyone's looking for a scapegoat so that they can maintain their job. Like if things aren't going well, cause that's usually what happens is your defense mechanisms go up and you're like, all right, who can we, who can we point the finger at? That's not me that I can maintain my job. And it's not great for, for us as like an NFL product. Look, looking at it in that perspective but when you're truly looking at it as like i mean it just makes sense like in the end it just makes sense and I, to me that doesn't matter like it, it, it 
there's nothing that we can do about that. Like as far as like making any impact or change, but like, that's why you're seeing the turnover that you're seeing at certain positions. It's like, okay, well we need the new hot offense. We need the new hot thing. And whether that's bringing in like a, a Zach Robinson and making him an OC, whether that's, you know, just bringing on the next again, big name offensive coordinator, making them a head coach. Like that's just how the NFL is going to be until there's enough offense that we finally start shifting it back to defense, but that's not the NFL way. They want high powered, big name offenses. And that's just really where this is shifting to. All right. Well, look at the final four teams that were in the NFL playoffs this year who were established through run game and who were established through defense and who were established through a physicality method in their NFL organization, lions, 49ers, Ravens, chiefs, like none of those, None of those were a new hot offensive coordinator name. All of them were established through a true, just absolute definition of physicality throughout their NFL team. Like I'm like, even the chiefs changed to that this year through spags. Like I, I don't know why we're going to this method that has never worked other than just the self-preservation of self. Like, I think that you're you're getting to so many of these committees, so many of these teams to, and we'll get it. We'll we'll get outside of the true, truthfully, just NFL overall projection and NFL narrative talk because that's not what we're here for. We're here to give you <laughs> NFL dynasty talk. But I'm sorry, I have a little bit of a passion about this, and like I actually want to talk about the NFL as a whole, and I think it's fading pretty significantly because of a lot of people caring about their own jobs more than they do about the actual status of the NFL. But the shiny new thing is being highly valued compared to what has been proven and what has been a standard in the NFL and what is currently working in the NFL. And we can make that transition right now into what we actually think about our dynasty fantasy football teams, because you and me, we don't like the shiny new thing. We actually really like the old crusty veterans. We like the, give me the Mike Evans, the Stefan Diggs, the Devonte Adams, give me the Cooper cups. And I will win with those guys, especially out of the startup. Whenever you are discounting them comparatively to what I'm doing. And whenever you want to draft the tank Dell, the Nico Collins that ends up as wide receiver 36 on the year. Go ahead and do it. But I will take the guys that have consistently shown me that they will be top 12 wide receivers year over year, and I will live in that range. So the NFL has shown the same exact thing. I think you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. First of all, I do want to unpack another time that whole final four conversation and that there's more to dive into on that. Like I got me fired up, but yeah, like when you say you, we're talking about you, the listener that that does this. Like, if, if you want to value those Tank Dells, we're fine. I, I love Tank Dell. I think he's great. You know, and and I do want to dive into your specific trade here that kind of popped up because we were talking about shiny new things. We got the Malik Neighbors, we got the Marvin Harrisons, we have all you know the Romo Dunes's. We have all of these young guys coming into the league, and we have a certain value on them. So I do want you to talk about your trade here. Because, you know, this is a shiny new thing. Like right now, everyone loves top six, top seven picks even uh, in in the draft for sure. Like it feels like all oh, those guys are locks. And so you did trade away one of those picks for, I mean, he's, he's not a, you know, he's not a vet necessarily. He's still a young asset, but, you know, he's flirting with a range of like, you know, if, if he doesn't do it this year, people are going to be like, ah, he's a great talent, but he's just DJ Moore. 
And so tell us about your trade here. So this is a trade. Um, we, we've done a couple of roster reviews live on this show, I think, during the in the past um, on, on the Destination Devi Discord or on the Destination Devi feed, radio feed. And we've done a couple of breakdowns of this roster in the past. It's one where, you know, I thought I was a contender. I took over this as an orphan. We had Nick Chubb. We had J.K. Dobbins as our lead running backs. And obviously, two weeks into the season, your season's basically dead if you had that. Um, and so I ended up tanking this team, ended up getting the 105 as my first overall pick in this draft. And I just got the in- inbox offer of Garrett Wilson for 105 this morning. Ended up taking it and put it into a couple of different discords. And there was a lot of mixed reaction to it. Um, a lot of the flexibility could give you more. A lot of you could do more with that 105, or you could just take Malik Neighbors and you could see if he becomes the next Garrett Wilson, basically, because Garrett Wilson has truthfully never become like honestly, he's never finished in the top 24. I don't think of of the wide receiver position, but we're assuming with a healthy year of Aaron Rodgers potentially in the next year, him saying that he's going to play for two or three years more you would think that he's going to have a better season than that. But there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation about the flexibility, but I think at the end of the day whenever you talk about this, there's a difference between the flexibility of what could potentially fix your roster and there's an overall organization and an overall goal to what your roster construction wants to be. And what this roster needed was a top 10 wide receiver. Because if you if you go through everything, it's a 12-team, start 10, lineup, super flex league, and my best wide receivers are Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk. Like, I need a top 10 wide receiver, and that's what one of these first-round picks that I accumulated was going to be for. And so why would I not just take that deal whenever it's in front of me that fits the overall goal of my roster construction? Why would I not just take Garrett Wilson there? Even if I don't particularly like Garrett Wilson out of all of those top seven, top eight wide receivers in Dynasty, that just gets me into the conversations. Now I could maybe get an AJ Brown. Maybe I could get up to a Puka Nakua. Maybe I could trade for somebody else that I actually do like a little bit more than Garrett Wilson. But that name and that value gets me into the conversation, I think, much more than just a random 105 does. Yeah, I mean... I- We've talked about Garrett Wilson a good bit this past season, you know, comparing him and Chris Olave a good bit throughout and really our perspectives on on what could be. And I do love what the talent is of Garrett Wilson. And I think the the big thing here is you're talking about asset flexibility. You're talking about roster construction. And I, I do think if that was the plan, yeah, moving that 105 into a top 10 wide receiver, we'll call him, is is a smart move. I think that's the it's the right move because not only is Garrett Wilson he's still a flexible asset. Like he's still a very good young, talented player who could break out and be a, I don't want to say CD lamb necessarily, but could be like, he could have efficiency with Aaron Rodgers, and things could change dramatically for him. He's a, he's had a thousand yards receiving. He's had under five touchdowns every year, but I think that's more of a nature of who's been throwing him the ball. So yeah, like I, I like the asset that is Garrett Wilson. I think you still have flexibility there. It's not like you just turned it into Cooper cup and, you know, some other aging assets that won't ever, you know, accrue value. So I do like what you did there, but I do think on the surface, like this is a, a kind of a debate. I, I, I do think that people have a tough time accepting like, oh man, like that's Malik neighbors. Maybe that's, a, that's one of the top three quarterbacks 
like maybe someone takes neighbors and you get yourself Drake May at the 105. So had I know that you said you set it aside for wide receiver for the roster construction asset. If that was a quarterback come the draft, does that change anything for you? Do you wish you would have kept that pick? Unless there was, I, I think unless there was four quarterbacks taken in the first round, I don't think that that changes my, it changes my outlook on this. Um, it's a team where I already have Justin Herbert. I already have Jared Goff. I have like Mac Jones, Jared Stidham. I have like seven backup quarterbacks already on this roster. So I'm incorrect backup, like I'm incorrect roster construction here. And I'm perfectly fine personally with a Justin Herbert and a Jared Goff. So I don't need enough. I personally don't need another quarterback to hit this roster. So I'm looking at trying to get a top 10 wide receiver to supplement this. Like that is what my ultimate goal here is. And if you're just going to drop that in my inbox without me having any risk of where the rookie pick goes, where the entire rookie draft goes, because we don't know. I mean, we don't know right now. It, it, we assume Marvin Harrison, three quarterbacks, and then Malik Neighbors are going to be taken to prime spots in the top five picks of the NFL draft. What happens if that isn't the case? What happens if one of those quarterbacks slips down? What happens if Malik Neighbors slips down? And then it's not really a top five. It turns into a top four. We saw this last year with uh, Will Levis whenever he was projected to go number four overall. It was going to be a top six, I believe, that was going to be locked and loaded. And I was like, you know what? I, I just don't really think that it's top six. I think it's more of a top five just because that gives me one space of buffer pick. And then what ended up happening? Will Levis goes in the second. He drops all the way to the 110 in consensus rankings. And then even below that, once he actually starts playing or lack of playing. Um, so I believe that there's a little bit of de-risking myself just from that 105 pick because where everybody sees it right now more than likely in my mind is probably not where it's going to end up being once we get to the NFL draft. Like one of these quarterbacks is probably going to go to new England and even just going to new England in the top three probably puts him back behind Malik neighbors in my mind. And so even though it's a quarterback, it's going to be a very devalued quarterback. And so even if it's a quarterback, I really don't mind all that much because I think once we get to post NFL combine, post NFL draft, mocks i think that garrett wilson's going to be well ahead of whatever the 105 is yeah i think that's really something that destination debbie does a great job of is doing <clears throat> mocks of mocks right so there's mock drafts that come out all the time from like dane brugler i think uh Zerline had one that came out today there, there's there's mocks all the time from industry individuals that not only fantasy wise but break down the entire nfl draft and you really get to see where these landing spots could actually be. And yes, while we love the talent of seven guys, maybe eight guys, they're not all going to the best possible fantasy football fits. That is not how this works. You're playing a game within a game, and the NFL sees things differently. Those, those players fit certain roles. So yeah, you're going to have potentially a top three quarterback going to to um new england or who knows maybe marv goes there and you have you know mac jones chucking balls up to marv not everything's going to work out the way we want it to and and i think that's an important perspective thing because it does change pick values you know 2022 draft everyone really liked the 2022 class and all of a sudden you see every landing spot just absolutely atrocious and you're just like 
I guess Garrett Wilson with the Jets. I guess Traylon Burks with Tennessee. Like, sure, Drake London in Atlanta. Like, uh, like I like it, but it's not what I had hoped. I was hoping a top 10 quarterback or a top five quarterback would be throwing these guys the ball. So that's going to happen this year. And whether we like it or not, like that's something we have to kind of think about when you're looking at these pick values is in that 105 range, could that end up being Brock Bowers? And you're like, well, dude, I don't need another tight end. Like, who cares? At this point of the conversation, how many wide receivers have you seen hyped? Far too many. I'd say the number is between 15 and 20 wide receivers. Especially senior bowl practices and everyone. Senior bowl practices, everything. And what's the expectation for all those guys that are getting hyped? They're all going to be like top three round picks. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, if you actually sit down through the process and actually go through it, there's no way that that actually happens. Most of these guys are going to be like round five, six, seven, and then they're basically useless for fantasy football. Or at least like normal hit rate is useless for fantasy football. I don't care if you're going to quote me the Puka Nakua and the Tank Dells. Like, please get out of here with that. That is a one in 20 chance that you potentially hit that. So please get out of here with that. But we're we're saying like 15, 20 wide receivers currently are going to be like actual NFL prospects. Post NFL draft, you're maybe going to care about eight. And currently, I bet you're looking through your rookie drafts and you're seeing whenever they're not correlated to an NFL draft, you're seeing, oh, my gosh, it's so deep. I, I, I like all the I, I like guys all the way to like the 308. Like, I like all these guys. There's not a running back taken until like the 206. And I like Marshawn Lloyd and I like David Laub and I like all of these guys. I like I mean, this class is so deep. It goes all the way to 308. And then you see the NFL draft actually come out. And then all those guys are in the sixth, seventh, fourth, fifth round. And none of them matter. And the NFL draft and your fantasy mock shrinks all the way probably to like the 202, 204 of actual players that matter. So just be a little bit careful about what you're seeing at this point whenever it's correlated to uh, mock drafts that have six quarterbacks in the first round. I'm sorry, that's not happening. Yeah, um, I, I would say the number is closer to three than it is to six. It's not happening that all these guys are going where you want. So just be a little bit cautious about where you think that these cutoffs are actually lining up right now because of your rookie mock drafts those rookie mock drafts are not not representative of what's actually going to happen in the real nfl draft yeah i mean it's it's a good way to just see different perspectives and different thought processes but some of them are tailored towards fantasy focus and it's just like okay like there's there's not going to be six first round quarterbacks but but it is something again you know we see this every year if you even just looking at back at last year's class you know Kendra Miller ends up in a situation where they signed Jamal Williams and they already have Alvin Kamara. Charbonnet ends up in a situation where they already have a very good second round running back in Kenneth Walker. I know these are running backs, so it's a little bit different. You know, it's about opportunity, but wide receiver is the same situation. There was Jonathan Mingo, you know, hype and excitement. There was the Marvin Mims excitement because uh, that was the very first draft pick for, for Sean Payton. They traded up and they went and got Marvin Mims and, we all saw how that panned out. Like you look back at the second round of last year, and I know, like you said, Tank Dell and Puka, far and few between. Those are those are outlier situations to really, you know, the draft capital and the process that people had going into it. 
not people liked those players like oh yeah the senior bowl tank dell really showed out really did some good things nfl felt a little bit differently buka nakua you know that we, we can see a situation where where if he lands in the perfect spot and gets the opportunity that he could be good no one thought he was going to be 1500 yards best rookie wide receiver ever good i don't care who it was I, again debro hyping it up ray talks about about him you know a lot as well and they liked the player but no one thought that he was going to go out and do that. No one did. I don't care what they tell you. So like those situations are massive outliers, but you have other situations that we think players are going to be good and they just don't get that same spot. So that's just looking at second round picks from last year and, and even back in first. I mean, we saw Kendra going at the 108. We saw, you know, Charbonnet going in that same exact range. Like these are all guys that we still like the talent, but hey, in the end, I mean, Jonathan Mingo got pushed up to the 202 because he was the best wide receiver on the Carolina Panthers with a promising young prospect of Bryce Young and Adam Thielen was 32 years old. And, you know, like there, there is a very, there's not a very good way to correlate what actually happens from all these guys to be good luck. Good luck picking them. And so that is where exactly we will typically lean into, hey, just give me the Cooper Cups whenever he probably dips down to like the 208 this year in terms of value. Give me the Mike Evans. Give me the Devontae Adams. Give me the Stephon Diggs. Give me the Tyree Kills. Give me all of these guys that have been producing for the last six, seven, eight years in a row. And I have no worries about what they are going to be in the 2024 season outside of injury i'll just keep taking those guys until they prove me otherwise so um if if you want me to take a variance bet on whether it's rasheed rice i don't even care like you tell me right now if i had to go back and make the bet of rasheed rice or stefan diggs i'd still stake i'd still take stefan diggs yeah i mean when you're especially when you're talking about like what we've seen in years past like sky Moore, jahan dotson like we've seen highly drafted nfl drafts you know receivers get taken and whether that's first round pick second round pick we all look at that value and we're just like oh i mean the nfl believes in this player so now they're backed up into the back into the first round that we're taking these guys and so that's all going to come into play there's going to be overhyped players you know qj last year people had tons of doubts on but hey he's a first round wide receiver look who he's tied to but then you look at the 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 receiver room even jsn highly touted guy but look at the receiver room like i think going back people aren't taking them as highly just because they're buried on the depth chart and yes the talent can prevail and they can overtake but man i'm not waiting 3 years for that though like uh, <laughs> i think that's a, i think that's a change within the dynasty market yep. like if we if we were to go back to 2023 and redraft the rookie draft there's no reason that jsn should have been the number 1 overall wide receiver no because there's there's no shot for him to overtake dk metcalf and tyler lockett in that offense with geno smith absolutely zero so why is he the number one overall wide receiver when we play in such a reactionary market that he's going to be downtrodden because he's not going to be even the wide receiver one or even the wide receiver two on his own team he's probably going to be the wide receiver three for his rookie year which is fine which is fine but whenever you're talking about the overall dynasty wide receiver rookie ranks he's going to drop like addison's going to be over him at the end of the year there's a lot of guys that are going to be over. Zay Flowers should have been over him at the end of the year because he's only dealing with Rashad Bateman and OBJ, who's like 37 years old. I don't think that's the actual number, but it's probably close. <laughs> but 
you know, like, like we, we should be able to see this a little bit more whenever I I'm, I'm very interested to see when this rookie class comes out and we actually see all of these prospects come out and where their landing spots are after free agency and where all of the free agency vets land. I'm very interested to see where we put these guys. Cause like, I could honestly see a case where Marvin Harrison is lower than Malik neighbors just because of landing yeah. spot and the quarterback that he's associated with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a very different dynasty game than, than years past. And it's a constantly evolving game. And that's again, why destination Debbie is the place to be, man. It's patreon.com forward slash all gas, get into that destination five or Heisman's here. Cause these are the conversations that, that happen all the time. It's just kind of, you know, figuring out different theory. Where's the game going? Cause we we've seen years past where, you know, every off season, there's a new theory, new strategy, new things that, that are popping up. And so it's trying to be ahead of the game, trying to see what, uh, where you can capitalize, where you can kind of take advantage of some things, and, and and we're not always right on things either. And that's why we need to get put, you know, put in our places. Have have people give us reality checks on certain things. But at the same time, you know, there are people out there that truly look at dynasty. Like I mentioned this off air, but before him, my barber is you know looking to start in a dynasty league. He's in a bunch of redraft leagues, and he's like, oh man, I'm getting my first dynasty league. We're gonna do our draft. Talk to him a little bit. He didn't know, like you know, kind of. The, the the depth that I was in as far as playing in so many different dynasty leagues, but uh, started talking about it. He's like, yeah, so like all I got to do is just draft like the young, good players and in like three or four years, I'll be good enough to win it all. And I'm all like, and all of them will keep getting 50% better year yeah. over year over year. I'm like, that's one thought. I was like, but you know, I like to win and I like to win early. And like, there's, there's different strategies that go into this. And it's like, if you want to donate your money for a few years, like that's a choice. You think your league's going to be around still? Like, is that really what you want to do? So we had a kind of conversation around the different processes and thoughts. And, you know, it's just interesting to hear, like, that's kind of where the new dynasty community is still at. Like, it's just give me them young players, right? Dynasty's all about youth. Get me into those leagues, man, because uh, I, I still love our win now vet strategy from <laughs> from the jump every single time. Give me those guys. Give me the Bill Belichick's. Give me the Mike Vrabel's that are the old retreads that make everybody else scared in their shoes to actually get themselves fired. Give me the guys that have shown the ability uh, year over year to actually be legitimately good instead of the mystery box. And that that is the the biggest thing, both in the NFL and in the dynasty fantasy football space. I don't want the mystery box. Now, I do like the flexibility that the mystery box gives me, but whenever the mystery box can eventually turn me into what I know is there, let me take that out and I will take my 105 and I'll sell it for Garrett Wilson every single time. Um, obviously, dependent upon format and everything yeah. like that, but I, I honestly don't know a format that I wouldn't do that trade honestly in right now. So give, give me the known, give me the vets. Give me, give me everything that I actually have proven reliable evidence to justify instead of maybe he could get into the, what, what's the upside? What, what does he have to do more? He was already in the Jamar Chase in the Justin Jefferson range. Like, I don't know what more he would have to do to get, uh, I don't know, I don't know. But Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about Garrett Wilson, like, 
again, it's still a, a very fungible asset, as that word loves to get thrown around. A very tradable asset, um, and and he was one that was again top three in dynasty value. So there is the potential for that to go back up. So you're hoping that some of these rookies become Garrett Wilson. Like that's that's truly what your hope is, and and it may or may not happen. It could get ruined right at the NFL draft, where they get into a situation where it's like, yeah, he's not going to be Garrett Wilson for two or three years. He's not going to be the number one on his own team. So. Hopefully that doesn't happen for our own sake, but it's a, a range of outcomes. And, you know, same problem I have with Marvin Harrison Jr. being rated at like the wide receiver three. Yeah. What is it? What, what, what more could he do where you're taking him? Why would I not rather just take Justin Jefferson, CD lamb, AJ Brown, Jamar chase, any of those guys, if I could actually just trade them out one for one and where their rankings are is going to be, exceptionally disproportionate to where your actually trade value is. And that's that artificial dynasty value that we talk about that ADV go try to trade out your one one for any of those top elite wide receivers, or go try to trade it out for any of those top eight quarterbacks that you actually consider in that range. And tell me the results, because I think that your success rate on that would probably be about 1%. Yeah, it's definitely lower than, than people anticipate. And, you know, just going back to your coaching talk before we wrap out of here, you know, the NFL is a copycat league. And so all these teams out here are just trying to copy those four teams that you're talking about that are, you know, final four teams. Everyone's looking for that. So, you know, it, it's the same kind of thing in Dynasty. Everyone is looking for the exact same thing of what made people successful last year. And so it's always about thinking ahead, always about how how you can change what's going to be different this offseason. How can we take advantage of that? And, and this is still one of the ways that, that people still get sucked into that mindset of that shiny new toy. That shiny new toy. Yes, Malik Neighbors and Marvin Harrison and Caleb Williams can be the next Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes or Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. But they could also be George Pickens, which is a good player, but hey, like, you're not going to go out there and send, you know, put George Pickens as a top five dynasty asset. Just so. a guy at the end of the day, unfortunately. And good player, uh, great catches. But honestly, out of the <laughs> top five assets that we feel are really locked in, probably two out of the five are actually going to remain and become actual top 25 rookie startup assets next year. And that's yep. just the fact, like that, that's just, just the risk that you either need to be willing to understand that you're taking or just get out of it. And I would rather get out of it most times than not. Yep. Depends on what's on the line, but yeah, hit us up with your trade conversation, your trade talks with who are, are the picks that you have right now. Um, this is, you know, getting into peak value season. Uh, it's good. We'll have some other ups and downs here. Some other shifts, of course, as we get closer to the NFL draft, but you're still getting some, some good offers out there um, if you have those picks because we are starting to solidify where these are. Um, you had something you wanted to add? We need to do another startup. Uh, we need to do yes, another startup yeah. mock. I'm oh, yeah. very excited to do one more of those for the February month. So we'll we'll get that one rolling. If you're in either the Heisman or anywhere in the um, Destination Debbie Discord, you'll probably see that one coming out in the next couple of days. We will get another startup 12-round mock going um snake unfortunately because we don't really have a good way to do the auction <laughs> yeah unfortunately that just doesn't really exist unless you're in it you can't really get the full experience of it but we'll get one of those uh we'll get one of those snake uh startups going in, in the mock draft area 
Yep. See where these players are, are now landing. See if we have some Roman Wilsons jumping up from their senior bull hype. And, you know, <laughs> as Cody rolls his eyes, y'all can't see it. But yeah, uh, these values are changing. So it's going to be very, very interesting. If you have a lot of picks, figuring out where these tiers are, and that's a conversation for another day as far as figuring out how these tiers work, what to actually do with your picks this offseason. Uh, but a lot of you know, good opportunities and trade windows are going to be happening if you have picks. And on the flip side, you know, if, if you are trying to get some of those picks, you know, which tiers do you want to target? Which player ranges do you want to target uh, to ensure that you lock up something that, you know, isn't a, you know, who knows, maybe that 106, 107 that we think is going to be Brock Bowers and Romo Dunze isn't what we hoped it would be. So that is going to going to change. One player, one player is all it takes to fall in or out of that range to shift it one pick, and you think yep. your tier is one pick, and you trade for it, and it completely shifts. Last year, you thought Will Levis was potentially going to be a top four pick. You thought you were safe at the one hundred six and or the one hundred four, whatever it was, and unfortunately, Will Levis goes in the second round. You absolutely lose out on probably a first round worth of value. Yep. So things are going to happen. Things are going to change. That's what we're here for. Patreon.com forward slash all gas destination five tier or in the Heisman tier is where you are going to find us. We're going to find Ray and Scott and all the content creators here on Destination Debbie and Destination Debbie Radio. So make sure you are tapped in. Follow us on X at Trophy Chase TFDR at Cody Smith TFDR. So make sure you hit us up. Let us know some of the trade questions, things that you have going on this offseason. Got a lot of fun content stuff in the works. But yes, thank you so much for joining us here on the Overreaction Podcast.